All right, this week on the podcast, I am joined by Skip Robinson. Many people know Skip locally from his background in bodybuilding. We had an awesome conversation talking about um, all the things he did growing up, leading up to his bodybuilding years. But honestly, he had story after story after story. Cracked me up. It was an awesome conversation. So if you know Skip, you'll love it. If you don't know Skip, you'll love him after you listen to it. I think you'll really enjoy it. So, so give it a listen. This is the Randy Forcier podcast. You can do me a favor. As always, subscribe on YouTube, Apple, or Spotify. Really, really appreciate the support with that. Thanks again for listening. So here's Skip. All right, I'm here with Skip Robinson. Skip is a local legend, father of a good friend of mine, Joe Robinson. Excited to have him on the podcast today. Skip, we made it happen. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure to uh, be here. Sorry it took uh, so long, but I'm glad you're here that we can celebrate my birthday together. Is it your birthday today? Yeah, I'm 248 years old. It's <laughs> You look good. The Botox, it works. <laughs> you look good. Yeah, it's the Marine Corps birthday today. <laughs> oh, and it is. Oh, happy Veterans Day. Yeah. 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 So I did not realize that you served. I didn't even plan on talking yeah. about this, but yeah. tell yeah. me about that. Yeah. I was uh, just going through, I wanted to post on uh, social media. I was just looking back. Uh, I went in at 63, last century. <laughs> 63, my God. And I get out in 69, reserve time. Yep. And I was just looking at some old photos. And, you know, it's like 60 years ago, whatever, in 60 pounds ago. <laughs> so, Were you deployed anywhere? No, I was fortunate. They never called us up, you yep. know. Now they could, you're probably the first to go, but I no, I was fortunate enough not to have to go. So. Yeah. Enrollments are down. I imagine, I don't know what percentage, but it probably is a lot harder to get people to want to join any branch of the military. <laughs> it was, it was different back then. <laughs> what do you mean? Did you feel obligated to do it or no or national pride? I, I remember my father, I applied to all colleges, every college in the, in the state of Maine. No, no, no. It was something about I stayed back a year in high school that kind of they held that against me. And I was kind of a social butterfly back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When they, when they, I can remember them calling me down to the office and my parents were there. And uh, I'm trying to think of Dan, I can't even think of the guy, Mahoney. They named Mahoney uh, Middle School after him. Okay. And him and, Arthur Scott, they called me in the office, the assistant principal, and they gave me the bad news that they were going to have to hold me back my sophomore yeah. year. And so I hung my head. And then when I went outside the door, I did a Ray Bork like I had scored the Stanley Cup winners. <laughs> that didn't bother me a bit. If they thought that that was going to punish me, uh, wrong message, you know, oh but it was... God. It was, it was good. You know, uh, I eventually got out. Uh, I did graduate, but back to, uh, I applied to all the schools and then my father took me up to Maine Central Institute for a prep school. Yeah. He, I remember walking in and there was a friend of mine, Terry Cook. He was going to school there and he looks at me and he's with a couple of friends and he says, Go in the Marines. He says, don't come up here. <laughs> really? And that's what did it for you? So like, they didn't like it, you know? So I, I had a friend uh, that I was hanging around who had an older brother that was in the Marines. Mm -hmm. He was one of the tough guys at the South Pole in high school. And I just, that's what I wanted to do. So 
<laughs> so you did that for six years after graduating. Yeah. What what happened is we decided to go in reserve time because then what they did after you get out of boot camp, Paris Island, they'd bring you together and then they would promise you different things to make you to go over, you know, regular time. Because mm. most everyone was getting a 0300 infantry. Yep. You know, they would leave they, at the end of boot camp, they would say so and so 0300 or whatever the MOS is where they were going in. 90% of the people were, were infantry, you know? And that's front so, of the line stuff, right? That's probably yeah. where you don't want to be. Yeah, my father had opened up a, a grocery store, Robinson's Market, out where Red Bank Village is now. Yep. And uh, was, and still is. And he had taught me how to, to meat cut. And he said, if you come back here, I'd like to have you help me at the store. You know, so I obligated to do that. So I did. And then, you know, I, you know, did the reserve time with that. So. <clears throat> and then after your time in the military, that's when yeah. you got into working out, bodybuilding, all that sort of stuff that most people know you for. Oh, God, no, there's uh, all kinds of, uh, two, a couple more phases in my life <laughs> no before to the good stuff, you know. <laughs> First thing when I got out, I wasn't weightlifting or, or anything, mm -hmm. sunning out in my backyard, front yard, actually, Shays Lounge. And they used to have the Portland Press Evening Express back then. Yeah. And it was delivered. And I'm looking at it. And I was kind of 19 years old, 20 years old. I was bored. Yeah. Now I got to do something. You know, it was exciting. And I look, and a friend of mine started a skydiving club, Falling Star Sport Parachute Club. And it was out on, out where Next Gen Gym is out on, the one going out to Scarborough. There used to be a road. Not Payne Road? Payne Road, maybe? Yeah, I don't Payne know. Road. Yeah. Anyway, there was a small airport out there. Port of Maine, it was called. Jeez, how can I remember this stuff? I don't know. Oh, that stuff's but, long gone, too, by the way. I don't remember any oh, of that. Yeah. 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 So I went out and joined that. You know, it, it's something about me, but it's about people in general they have to belong to something. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's a quilting club <laughs> yeah. or, you know, uh, anything, you know, to join, to be a member of something. Yeah. And I had done the Marines, so that was a good group. So I went to this parachute uh, club and jumped uh, for a few years and got my jump master certification so I could teach. Yeah. And, you know, I did, I did that. And I was uh, fortunate to survive four malfunctions oh where the parachute didn't open. I mean, I know guys that have made thousands of jumps and never had a malfunction. My first 126, I had four. Oh my so, God. What does yeah. that even mean? Is that because, well, first of all, does someone else pack your parachute or do you pack your own? No, parachute? you pack your own. And what was it? Some A faulty part? I mean, was it packed wrong or what? Do you even know what it well, was? This parachute, I got a good deal on. It, uh, little did I know, the guy had a couple of malfunctions. Well, he didn't tell me that. He was from out of state. So I bought it, and I jumped. And the first thing you do when you when your parachute deploys, when it opens, you look up to check to make sure it's open, you know? God, I look up, and it's half open. And I said, this is not good. <laughs> so that that happened to me, like I said, four times. One time I landed in a tree, another time in some water. But the last time, the most memorable one was Channel 6 was going to come out in film. So they were going to 
being an adjacent airplane and show us jumping out and stuff like that. And I had just jumped and it was getting dark. And this is going to tell you a lot about me, how I was back then. But they said, Skip, you're not going to have enough time to pack your parachute. We got to get going. I just grabbed a parachute, just grabbed it, put it in the backpack, sealed it up and get on the plane. <laughs> and the two guys, one, two, the other, the other two guys, they looked at me and they said, I wouldn't want to be jumping with that, you know? They said, it's not going to open. I said, yeah, well, it'll be fine. And I jumped and <laughs> it didn't open. <laughs> and I look up and, oh, it's like quarter of the, the parachute is there. And when you're falling, you don't know, uh, even with a half a parachute, you still think you're just floating down. Yeah. But when you go by somebody that's got their parachute open, fully deployed, yes. <laughs> you're going right by them. And they're yelling, what's that, what do you call it? I'm trying to think, cut away, cut away. We had two quick releases right here. Yep. And when you squeeze them together, then you start falling again and your parachute takes off. Yep. And then I had this reserve that was a parachute. I think it was packed back in uh, the Korean War because <laughs> this was in the late Never 60s. used it, yeah. So, oh, yeah. I mean, so when you're, when you're free-falling, you don't feel like you're falling. It's hard to explain. It's like you just suspended. Mm -hmm. You can feel the, the, the wind going by you and stuff. But once you release and start to fall, it's like falling off a cliff. I yeah, mean, I now you know you're falling. And you go head down and your feet are sticking up in the air. And the reserve was on the front. You had this ripcord, you pull it. And we didn't have the, the little parachute, the emergency one yeah. that pops out and it drags the thing. We didn't have one of those. So you had to reach down and manually feed it out. And you got to have that going through your mind and don't let it get caught in your feet. Yeah. <laughs> so here I'm going head down like this, doing all this stuff. And all of a sudden, wham, it just snapped me up. Yeah. And then when you land, you try to run around it because it was a little breeze. It was in March, I think. Yeah. And when I landed, I get up to run to chase it, but the wind was keeping it ahead of me. And I'm chugging, trying to run around it to collapse it. Yeah. Man, I there was this big pond there and I splashed into it and it's dragging me through the water. And I get up, I it had the weeds through my mouth and all that, but you know, it was, it, it was a crazy time. Did they get that all on tape? Channel six? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. How, how high were you before that secondary parachute kicked in? Is that something like you're oh. a few hundred feet off the ground? I don't even know yeah. how high you are when you skydive. Yeah, the highest, a 30-second delay is uh, 7,500 feet. Okay. I think it's roughly that. And I have jumped as high as uh, a little over 13,000 feet. Mm -hmm. uh, but this one was 7,500. And you, you'd get down to, I can remember back in the 60s, around 2,000. You have an altimeter that you look and you see it spinning, going around and around, you know. Mm -hmm. And then at 2,000 feet, you open up. Army paratroopers, when they jump, Jesus, I think it's like 800 feet, 1,200 feet, yeah. something real close. Because yeah. they just jump out. They want to get down to the ground as fast as they can. So That is insane. I did not realize that. What what, <laughs> what were you thinking even going back after after three malfunctions to even get to the fourth? Oh, just went back, did it again. It's like, <laughs> oh, whatever. Yeah, I love it.
I guess when you're that age, coming from the military, you just don't really think of your own mortality at all. You're just like, oh. this is fun. Yeah. I see those uh, bat wings that they've got now. Back in the day, if we had them, I'd have been doing them. Yeah. You know, you just... Bat wings are that thing where they have like webbing between your arms and your body. Yeah. You yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank God they didn't have them. <laughs> Would have malfunctioned like 10 times. That's, oh. that's unbelievable. How many jumps did you get in? I'm 126. Oh, so 100. Was that your last jump? No, no. Okay. I have a, a log book. Whenever you make a jump, you have to record it, yep. the date, how high you jumped, where it was, any remarks about it. And then the either the pilot or the jump master signs off on it. Yep. So you can't say, well, I had a thousand jumps, you know, <laughs> you get the book to prove it, you know. So uh, what a run that sounds like. Oh, my God. Yeah. I even got a chance to uh, practice jump with the uh, the Golden Knights, the Army Parachute Team, one time. Nope. A friend of mine, when they would they did an exhibition up to Brunswick, the Naval Air Station, and uh, they since he knew him, and I think he was had been a member at one time, and they come down to our place, and we got a chance to jump with them and stuff, you know. Absolutely. So it was cool. Yeah, a lot of a lot of fond, uh, a lot of crazy memories that we will not be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the mile high club and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what an animal. That's yeah. crazy that that was in Scarborough, like off Payne Road. Yeah, I just don't, oh. there's no airport there now. It's all developed, yeah. um, but it must have been open fields back then. Oh, it was bad. Can you imagine back in the 60s? Then we used to go in town right after, I'm trying to think of the name of the bar that we used to go. We used to hang out there. It was like it was our own. $3 Dewey's? No, no, it was uh, where Pins and Needles Tattoo Places, yeah. my friend Mike uh, owns. What was the Cameo? That's what it's called. Cameo. You guys go hang and there afterwards. I would remember that. So, awesome. but anyway. <laughs> so, then what happened, I guess, after the skydiving phase? Okay. Then, when I was <laughs> towards the end of my skydiving, a couple of my friends, Bruce Chambers and Dave Lundgren, called me one time. I was at my father's place cutting meat. And they said, why don't you come out and start weightlifting with us? I weighed at the time, probably, a, I was 5'9", five, 5'10", five, five, whatever, 135 pounds. Yeah. And they said, come up and start weightlifting with us. And I said, sure. And then I never showed up. And they called me again. And they said, come, you know, come join us. We got this nice garage. It was in the spring so I said, maybe. <laughs> so I said, I got kind of a cold, you know, I said, I don't really feel like it. So they called me back a third time. I said, what the hell? I got to get them off my back. So I went up and we started uh, training seven days a week, but an hour and a half, two hours every time. Okay. And it was in a garage and we had a Victrola. You probably don't even know what that no, Victrola I don't. is. But... <laughs> <laughs> what is it? No clue. But it's like what they have now, the most expensive one's got the arm and the needle you put down on it. So in the wintertime, we'd have the hats, the Navy hats pulled down over jackets, mittens, because there was no heat out there. Mm. And I can remember the Beach Boys' greatest hits were was the first music that we played out on this Victrola. And I think Diana Ross and the Supremes, but anyway, this goes this goes back way, you know, way back. But after I had lifted probably six weeks, I went into the cameo with the guys I jumped with. I was still jumping, but it was at the very, very end. Mm -hmm. And I can remember Larry Snow, he was playing for Gary and the Counts. 
And it was a Saturday afternoon. We just got through jumping. I walked in. He looked at me. He says, you look like you're getting bigger. Bingo. That's all he had to say. From that day on, I'll bet you for 30 years, I you could count on one hand the times I blew off weight training. I never missed. And so you just no loved one, hearing that. You just like, uh, that, that yeah. felt good to hear that someone noticed you'd been working out and you're like, boom, yeah. I like that. And then just- yeah. I've always been, I was always small. Yeah. You know, you know, I played uh, football at uh, South Poland, kind of not very memorable, you know, scored a few touchdowns, but mm -hmm. uh, I scored better out in the social. Never mind. That's another, <laughs> that's why the five years, you know, <laughs> so uh, I, I was always small. And I can remember one of my girlfriends said, uh, her friend said, you turn them sideways, you never even be able to see them. It's just little things like that, that, you know, words hurt, you know? And uh, so once I started getting getting bigger, that's all it took. So I was uh, dating this young lady. I won't mention her name. She was Miss Portland and, you know, all that good stuff. And I ended up, going astray and cheating on her okay <laughs> she breaks up with me so you know when it, someone even it was my fault when someone breaks up with you you just you know you don't feel good you get that gnawing in the stomach and all that and i'd go out a couple nights and i saw her out there having a good time that bugged me bothered me so now get this to show you how what my mind was i says i'm gonna show her what she's missing yeah. so i started weightlifting and you know the time goes on and on you know when i saw her again never <laughs> i never <laughs> saw her again it's it's that's crazy. such a great story it's like yeah. so true well, you play that in your mind and yeah people will say what made you start uh, you know and it's pretty much that and i i had her nieces and stuff in school and she moved away but i had her nieces so i'm sure they told her you know how I was or whatever, you know, at least I thought they would, maybe they didn't. But anyway, I just uh, started doing that. And then a guy was going down to enter the Mr. Main. And he said, come on down and watch me. So I'm uh, riding down there with him. I think it was in Bethel, Maine, maybe at a middle school, you know, just, just about 10 people in the audience. And he talked me into entering. On the now, spot. Yeah, you don't, you don't do that, you know. But anyway, there were five people that entered, and I came in. I came in seventh because I think the the custodian got sixth place, and he didn't even enter. That's how bad it was. I, you know, that was the most embarrassing. When I look back at that, I had no idea what it was going to be like. Yeah. When I get out of high school, if you just said to me. You're going to have a, you know, some success at uh, weight training. I don't look at you and said, well, don't you have to weight train or something, you know, because that was so far uh, off the radar with me. Did this so, Mr. Main event motivate you? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, 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 took, it, it took me, I think, two more times to win it. Mm -hmm. and, and I did. And even today, you know, some of the bigger titles that I've won, People always say he was Mr. Maine or something like that. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool, you know? So Absolutely. from then you just enter the next contest, which is a little bigger mm -hmm. and you know, like that. So what I did is I went to, uh, it was this, I was a power lifter too at the same time. Yeah. I did both. And there was this contest at, 
held at the Boston YMCA, a powerlifting contest that I wanted to enter. And at the same time, there was a, a Mr. Boston YMCA physique contest, which you can tell by the title is not, not a very big one, but Boston, you know. <laughs> so back in those days, they always had the powerlifting contest first. And then the physique would follow it, usually the same judges or whatever. So you could do the physique, it'd be like 10, 11 o'clock at night, you know? So <clears throat> I entered the power meet, I set a record. Really? For what? Yeah, the bench press. Oh, okay. uh, I don't know, it's 400 or something like that. I weighed like, a, no, it was three something because I weighed like 160 some pounds. So I do the, the physique and I get second. And the guy that beat me was Bruce Lyons, who was a, a captain in the Marines. He was home on leave. So I'm kind of bumming. And I, at the end of the show, I'm leaving. And this guy comes out to me. He's got a sport coat on a camera in his hand. And uh, he introduced himself. And he said, you didn't win. But he said, you've got the most potential. Wow. And I, I said, oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, he said... What you got to do, he says, you've got to go to California and train out to goals. And I'm saying, yeah, here I'm a school teacher. I was making $7,600 a year. Yeah. Uh, and he wants me uh, <laughs> to go to California. He said, I'll send you the plane ticket. He says, I'll meet you in New York. He was an architectural photographer in from Connecticut. So he's going to play a major role in this. So I said, okay. I'm a big boy, take care of myself. So I met him in New York. We go to uh, California and fly to California, rent a car. And I can remember being on the, the freeway, seeing the big green sign with the white letter in Santa Monica. And I knew that's where the bodybuilders were. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is right adjacent to it. So uh, we go there. I want to meet Arnold. Yeah. So he goes back to the, the hotel and stuff. I take the car and I drive up. The place is closed. It's around 10 o'clock at night, 11, whatever. I'm bumming. I want to meet him. So I sleep in the car. <laughs> I haul off the side of the road. I want to be the first one in the morning, you know? I don't know what time he gets there or whatever. So <clears throat> the next morning, I hear this. I woke me up with this knock on the window. And I looked out at the window and there's this guy with long blonde hair, headband and all that. And that's the one where I went, you know, Jesus, you know, I thought I was looking at the Lord looking down at me, you know, and the, uh, uh, but it was Dave Draper and yep. who I knew from the magazines. He was a blonde bomber. He was in movies and he was the biggest name bodybuilder until Arnold come along. Yeah. Yep. Joe Weider put all his money in. If you could make Weider money, then uh, he'd put you in the magazines, front covers up, because it sells magazines. So anyway, I go in and start working out. I want to get a pump before. And I said, what time's Arnold come in? He says, around nine. So this is around six, seven. So it's going to be a long workout. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, he come in and that's, I just walked right up to him. And it was funny, the way he pronounced my name was like, skeep, like that, that, you know, but it, he said, where are you from? I says, Maine. He says, where's that? <laughs> and he says, is that up by Boston? And I said, yeah. And he says, I've been to Boston once. 
And so that's how I met him. From then on, every time I went out there, if I got a chance to train with him, I would. And if not, you just train around them and, you know, hang around. But they were open to that. So you could go into this place and interact with these guys and they would talk. It wasn't like you were beneath them. No, no, because I had one Mr. Maine. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> now they, in, I know you probably read uh, in the thing I sent you, but they all had nicknames. Yeah. Arnold was the Oak. Dave Draper was a blonde bomber. Uh, Franco Colombo was a Sardinian lion. Frank Zane was a professor. Uh, even Lou Ferrigno, the Hulk. Mm-hmm. So they had to have a name for me. <laughs> so I had one Mr. Olarchard Beach. I did it as a favor. Yeah. This was after a few times. This was like three or four years later. Yeah. And so I go out there and Zabo Kazuski, Mr. Abs, Zabo, he's famous out there. And used to always wear sunglasses indoors. I mean, he appeared in movies, gladiator movies and stuff like that. And he looks at me and he said, hmm. Olachid Beach. So from that on, they call me Mr. Crab Apple Beach. (laughs) (laughs) That was the nickname that stuck, huh? But least it was there wasn't a lot of people doing it. So I it was, you know, it was it was more of a click. When those gyms back then, it was, I think it was cement blocks, had a couple of big windows in the front, skylights, uh, very plain, all men in the beginning. And it was not like it is now. There was dumbbells huge. and bench presses. Yeah. And- no, they had the free weights. And then they had some machines because Joe Gold that owns Gold's Gym, he was a merger Marine, but he was a machinist. And so he made the machines, you know, the simpler ones, a leg extension, a lat pull down, you know, things like that. And an interesting story about that, Joe Gold, after having the gym, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, he sold it to Ken Sprague. Now, Ken Sprague, you probably know, was a porno star in Dakota, his name was. Yeah. And he bought the gym. And Joe Gold had to uh, wait, I think it was five, seven years, whatever it was, a non-compete clause. Yep. So after the time went by, he went down the street I don't know, a mile down the road and opened up World's Gym. Mm-hmm. So Joe Gold started them both, you know. So I can I can remember him standing out on Pacific Avenue. I think it was Pacific Avenue. Bunch of boxes. His T-shirts had just come in. And the gym was upstairs, the World's Gym. Mm-hmm. It was a little more modern than the other one because it was newer. And a lot of the bodybuilders would train at both places. So he's he shows me, he says, look at this shirt, Skip. And it had the gorilla lifting the bent barbell on the world, the globe. Yeah. And then on the back, it showed the same gorilla doing the same thing, but his bare ass in the back. It was a back shot, you know, like that. And he was all excited about that. So <laughs> That's awesome. So you had a good relationship with him. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you guys do out there? Like, how long did you spend out there? Uh, the longest I ever spent out there was the summer. I had signed a contract for that summer. And then when I would go out on February vacations, April vacations, as often as I could. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times, Joe Weeder 
when I was under contract with him, he'd pay my plane ticket out there, yep. which, you know, like I said, the small amount of money I was making at the time. And I, I had Joe at the time, not in the beginning, but yeah, I did. Joe was just, just born. Who was the guy that first saw you at that competition in Boston? You said he played a big role in your oh, life. Yeah. You say he's an architectural photographer. So it's like, what yeah. did he have to do with this whole world of bodybuilding? He just was fascinated by bodybuilding. And he, he like I said, he brought me out there. I, I stayed with him sometimes. One time he had a place down the Marina Del Rey. We stayed there. One went in Beverly Hills like that. Nice guy. I did not know. Well, at the time when Ken Sprague took the original Gold's Gym, he moved it up into Santa Monica, from Venice up to Santa Monica. He sold it. And Ed Connors, the photographer, bought it. Now, he had, I think back then, if I had $10,000, I could have been part of that. But $10,000, 10, $10 million, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But him, Peter Grimkowski, and now, uh, God, I'm forgetting his name. I think it's Denny. Oh, I'm friends with him, too. But I'm sorry. They bought it. And then what he did was he franchised the name to over 700 Gold's Gyms around the world. And then he ended up, he ended up selling them. And uh, he wrote a book about it called The Three Muscle Tears. Not Musketeers, Three Muscle Tears. <laughs> and it's one of the things he did. I was one of his first few house guests. Pete Grumkowski was the first one. Yep. And he, over the course of, from then until now, he has had over 500 house guests. And you're one of the, wow. wow. Yeah. In some of them, John Cena, mm -hmm. he got him into wrestling. No kidding. He got that, yeah. And uh, on in the book, John Cena writes the, the prelude or whatever it is, the beginning of the, of the, uh, of the book. But that Three Muscle Tears is a great book. It, it explains everything about how he bought it got it started how he franchised it and all that and then he tells about different house guests you know the more interesting ones i'm on page like 500 and something just mentioned this one <laughs> i wasn't interesting enough but it's a great book three muscle tears yeah. uh guy must be doing okay for himself after all those franchises Jeez. yeah uh, some serious he, he sold the businesses yeah. and they sold it and so uh, I still keep in contact maybe once a month or something like that. Great guy. And uh, he's helped the ultimate warrior, the wrestler. He got him uh, started. Oh, I think he didn't get Sylvester Stallone started at John Van Damme, but I think they stayed at his place. He mentions it in the, in the book, all the, you know, the more, the different, you know, the celebrities and stuff that stayed with him. you know? That's very cool. So what was, what was the ending of your, bodybuilding time like when did you decide to move on from that 1995 and 96 i entered my last contest as a masters mr america i'm trying to think i got married just a second time just after that i just my body was uh was aching i was forever going to orthopedic associates for this that and stuff and I had always entered, like when I was 30, I entered the Miss America, 50, 
Mm-hmm. And I was going to do it when I was 60. And I remember my shoulder was bothering me or something. I went into the orthopedic guy and he looked at me and he said, if you're not going to make a lot of money, he said, you might want to back off a, a little, you know, go more for the longevity. Yeah. And because every time I'd pick up the pace, then I'd break down. Yeah. And I ended up having a shoulder replacement surgery on this one. And when you have a replacement, the de- the development is shot. It doesn't come back. Yeah. Like when you reach a high level to compete, <laughs> you don't want to have a glaring error like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So since then, I've had both shoulders replaced and both hips replaced. So I'm pretty bionic on this. So, is that, but you're okay with that, I assume. Just getting a chance to talk with you. It's like, no regrets, obviously. Great experiences, like a oh, ton of no. stuff, like whatever. You know what I mean? Show a couple shoulders, a couple hips, all that stuff. No big yeah. deal. Whatever. No. Wouldn't have done it any differently. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. I might not have trained out of the three to four hours a day. Yeah. You know, in the see, being a power lifter, you lift extremely heavy weights. Mm-hmm. And I always remember Arnold, the last time that I saw him in California, I was leaving, I was heading out for the airport, and he called me over and told me, he said, sit down here beside me. And what Arnold says, you know, when he tells you to do something, <laughs> you do it, you know. <laughs> so, and he mentioned, he says, you, I remember what he said, he says, you got a beautiful upper body. He says, but you got to work your legs. And, uh, you know, and and I did. And another thing that he, that stuck with me too, is he said, you're good at powerlifting. You're good at bodybuilding. I'm saying good at bodybuilding. I won Mr. Maine and Mr. Olajuwon. I'm just, you know, (laughs) and he says, pick one. And he says, be very good at it. Mm -hmm. So I chose the bodybuilding. Yeah. How long ago was that? When was the last time you saw him? When he was on the governor's council of fitness and sports, yep. he went around to every state. Yep. So I had trained McKernan, the governor, and uh, he called me one time and he said, Arnold's coming to visit the state. And they're going to have, uh, like we're doing here, Zoom TVs to all the high schools, the colleges in the state. And he said, uh, you might want to come up. And I said, I sure do. So I went up there and that's the last time I got to, uh, to talk with him and stuff. It was, it was kind of funny. Joe can tell you this story. When I walk in, the stage is like facing us and I'm over kind of to the side and Arnold comes out with the governor and he's sitting like I can look, but he's kind of facing sideways from me. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen him prior to this thing. And McKernan said, after Arnold talked, he said, I'm going to open it up. And the people, different colleges, high school, they could ask questions. And the people in the audience could ask questions. But before we start, he says, uh, I think the first uh, question should be with his former training partner, Skip Robinson or something. So I'm swaggering up to the thing. And I hear him go, ah, I remember him. And he goes, Skip, he says, I, he says, flex your lats. And then he goes, oh, I see you are. <laughs> like that. So it uh, was, he, he had already done uh, his Conan uh, movie and stuff. Yeah. And, and the, the question I asked him is, uh, did he miss the guys back when we were out there training, the old days, you know, doing that? Because I knew, you know, what his answer was going to be. You know, and he did. He, he said that was the better times when he was yeah. back doing that. 
well, he exploded to a whole different level of celebrity. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Did you see his documentary? I did. Yeah. Yeah. You notice he, he said that he missed having the muscles and stuff like that. It's true. When you get in peak condition for a contest, you can't keep that. That's only like for a day or whatever, but the rest of your life, you're looking at that picture and you're always judging yourself to how you looked at one time in that best picture, you know? I bet. Yeah. You work so much on your body and that's just the way you picture yourself, but it's not always that way. Like you said, what's working out look like for you nowadays, given everything you just said about your body is, are you doing anything to stay in shape? Like, like walking? Yeah. Uh, I train, I, I try to do a little every day, like this time, this week will only be three because I've had the dental appointments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I get up at three o'clock in the morning and get caught up on the, the news to make sure the world hasn't come to an end. But that's another story. And then in the sports and stuff like that and get a nice fire in the fireplace. Can oh, you yeah. see that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, so cool. Well, when I look over, I'm looking out at the lake. That's like right. That, well, the and, uh, and uh, loons and stuff will go uh, floating by. They, yeah. they catch my attention. <laughs> so anyway, then I'll, my first client's at six, and I have them lined up, six, seven, eight, and nine. I get done at 10. Uh, one time a week, I'm helping this guy get ready for uh, a contest. So I'm helping with his posing, and uh, so I, I train him at 10. Mm-hmm. And then what I'll do is I'll train after I've got a waiting list of people trying to get in with me to train them. Every client I have is long-term. They sign up for packages of 10 and they just keep re-signing, re-signing like that. Cause if they lose their spot, then it's gone. gone. You know, and what uh, you're doing is a bodybuilding focused. No, it's well, 75, 80% of my clients are females. Okay. Yep. And they all, they all want to do their legs and glutes, you know? So do I specialize in that? But also some of them are competitors. The only ones I'm going to train uh, now are people that know what they're doing or they're competitors. Because I only have so many openings, yep. you know? But I, I've got one retired attorney, a lady, Mary Jean Crowder. She's uh, tough as nails, tough as they come. But she doesn't compete, but she's a friend and she's been with me these 10 years, probably anyway. And then I have this other friend attorney, James Bolas. If you drink and drive, he's the one that gets you off or tries to. He's been with me like 20, 25 years. But the rest are all, they range age from, geez, I don't know, 18 to, uh, I don't know, 30, 35, like that. So where do you train out of? Foley's Fitness. Yeah, that's what I thought, Foley's. Yeah. Oh, you, have you been there? I have not. I've only heard of it. It sounds very sweet. Yeah. It looks, looks uh, like a nice place. It's it's the best gym that I've ever been in. Really? That's uh, awesome. Oh, it is. It's uh, the, the thing that we're known for down there is the cleanliness. It's clean. Yep. And it's got all the latest equipment. And also, we're opening up a place in Cumberland. It's going to be another Foley's? Yeah. yeah. I, I say we are going to, because I'm part of the Foley family, so... <laughs> I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, I've heard yeah. nothing but good things about it. Oh, um, yeah. I wish I could check it out. Maybe at some point. Uh, I do know a few people that go there. So we've got um, tw- 27, 28, 29, I don't know, trainers there, and they're all good. What's the membership like over there? Must be 
I mean, you, I don't know if you give that, they might not give that information away, but it must be a ton, a ton of people that have that level of training staff. Yeah. Yeah. It's a busy plan. I think they've got, but we've got close to 4,000 yeah. members. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's good. And Scarborough's growing, you know, it really is, especially right where that place is that Foley's and Scarborough's close to the highway, but between route yeah. one and main road and then all that Scarborough down stuff is going on. It's yeah. That place is in a really good position. Yeah, it is. So over the past, I don't know how, actually you tell me like you've had some skin issues over the later years of your life, right? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I know you had the stuff on the news with Amanda, kind of like yeah. a PSA. Yeah. How has that part been for you? Right? And, and that's just related to being in the sun a lot. Over yeah. The years. It's, it's like anything. It's genetics. Mm-hmm. Okay. But when you spend hours in the sun and in tandem booths, you exacerbate the problem. You know, uh, I had a great tan. I mean, I was the golden child. I always had a dark tan, you know, like that. And now I'm lucky because I've had, oh God, we, we've got to be going on almost 500 stitches around my face and stuff. That's a lot of cotton. God. But th- those are basal cells. Is that what they're called? Yeah. I, I've been uh, fortunate enough that it's basal. You know, it's nothing, you know, more serious, you know, than that. And I'm always going to have them, you know, it's just, I go every six months and in check and if and they tell uh, you what needs to be removed, they'll like, yeah. at, so are you an advocate for being safe in the sun at this point? Like are you telling people, oh, no, I still have a membership at the, th- no, that's no, <laughs> no, I'm definitely, that's the one thing that I would do differently is not bake myself in the sun. Now they have companies that go around to these contests and spray you. Yeah. You know, so they can do it the day before and the day of the contest, you know, back in the, in the day, that wasn't the case. In a tan makes a difference when you're up on stage. You know, you look healthier, the muscles more vibrant and stuff. So there's nothing to do with any type of scoring or judging aspect to it. It's just like an aesthetic thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just part of the overall package. Yeah. 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 So, well, that's good that it was just basal cells and not, nothing worse than that. You know, yeah. I would, my, the plastic surgeon that I have, God bless him, Dr. Banda little plug for him. I tell him I'm going to send him people that will want to see him just to get cut and don't even need it. You know, <laughs> that's how good he is. No kidding. No so kidding. I, I did not realize that that was this was going on with almost 500 stitches at this point. It's crazy. Oh, unbelievable. You know, it's every time I'll always ask, I'll say, can you stretch it this way? Or can you stretch it that way? <laughs> so I guess the, one of the things I want to finish up with was, I know you train a bunch of people now, but what would, what advice would you give to maybe yourself back then as someone that was getting into bodybuilding and powerlifting to be successful? Well, it, you got to want it. You know, do you have any kids you married? I, you have- I have three daughters. Yeah. One of them's okay. friends with, with Joe's daughter. Okay. So, you know, you have a son or a daughter that you, you want them to play sports. Okay. Or practice the piano, we'll say. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to practice. So, oh, you're after them all the time. You know, you got to go practice, go do that. If you want something, nobody has to tell you that. Nobody told me to go, you got to go weightlift or something uh, like that. Your main focus is on that. So, commitment, you know, and you got to be consistent. 
in small gains. Don't say I'm going to be this way down the road because like anything, it takes 10,000 hours. Remember the book they wrote uh, about that? I talked about this last week with someone. We talk about it all the time, but you you put in your 10,000 hours. hours. Yeah, Yeah, I've done it. So I've done more than the the 10,000, you know. But there's a lot of drugs involved now at the at the major level and stuff. And there are so many people doing it. Your chances to get into the top is like getting to the top of the medical profession or being a pro baseball player. It, competition is tough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you got to want it. And then, you know, it's great to do it for fitness and health and like that. If that's what you want to do, then that's, you know, I highly recommend, you know, that because it's a good, healthy lifestyle, yep. strengthens your bones, you know, everything. It's, it's a mood elevator, you know, everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen, Skip, I appreciate you coming on the pod. I loved hearing all the stories. <laughs> you cracked me up with some of them. Can't wait to talk to Joe after this. Yeah. And, uh, I'll look forward to meeting up in person at some point. We're going to have to do another one because you never touched on my uh, motorcycle life, <laughs> my gang related. Uh, so we'll save that for another time. I do want to do another one with you. I feel like I have a whole bunch more things I want to talk about. So it was, I was awesome. It flew by. So we'll I, do it again. I appreciate it. You know, and, uh, sorry it took so long to, to get me on here, you know? No, no, it was good. It was good, man. I appreciate the time. So we'll be in touch. All right. All right. Thanks All right. a lot. All right.